Hey, this is Bill Black, creator of FemForce, and you're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 24, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 168 from February 1977. Welcome to the 24th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Tatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and have some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Speaking about my friends, let's see who's here joining me today. We have Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Bad. It's a prescription for danger. I don't really want to be here today, but Delvin has a device that if he presses the button, it causes me great pain and could possibly scatter my atoms. <laughs> anyway, what? What did you say? I'm happy to be here. There we go. <laughs> hey, can I borrow that, Delvin? Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay, cool. I think I could use that to keep Jared in line here. Joining us, we have Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. It's great to be here. This is our first Crusader Chronicles of 2019. I'm excited, and I just want you all to know that I've made a resolution that I am not going to sniff into my microphone this year. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Maybe next year. Next 2020. That's a record for resolution breaking. <laughs> oh, well, let's see what Delvin has for us from Delvin. The Dark Wed Williams is joining us. Hey, guys, I have some pretty good news for you guys. I was going to electrocute you all, but oh. but I thought better of it and I'm not going to do it. I have a heart of gold. The pain I just felt in my head says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> see, that was different. That was a different bit, Jared. That was uh, a di- oh, we moved on bits. <laughs> oh. OK, as long as I'm fine, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> As long as I'm fine, you can do what you want to Jared. Just... <laughs> Man, it's a rough crew. <laughs> hey, it's a new year. It's a new tap. Remember that. It's a year of the tap. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah? Well, that's not a question, man. I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art cell artist, and your brother Jason, aka Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams, the Dark Web. Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion since you were the one who invited me onto the show? Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys and you stay here. Okay, great. Thanks, man.
Hey guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called build up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? <sighs> fine. Let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles, indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater, pitting two randomly selected action films against one another, an action film face-off, cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles, and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com, where we continue our quest to... Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the featured comic for this episode, Amazing Spider-Man number 168. So here's some creds for this issue provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher, Marvel, cover date of May 1977, with an on-sale date of February 8th, 1977. Cover price is only 30 cents. Editor, Len Wein, and writer, guess what, Delvin? It's Len Wein. <laughs> Penciler is Ross Andrew. We got an anchor of Mike. Letterer is Joseph Rosen. Rosen, Rosen, Rosen. The culinary bad colorist is Glennis Ween. If you want to read along with us, you can either by having the original copy or the Essential Spider-Man Volume 8 trade paperback, also found on Marvel Masterworks Volume 205 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 16. You can also follow along on Marvel Unlimited as well, or probably on Comixology, I think, too. Go ahead and follow along with us and enjoy the fun. Let's go ahead and take a look at the cover credits. Go to penciler Ed Hannigan. Is this the first time for him? Yeah, never yeah. heard of him. I was just going to ask Delvin, have you heard of him being a big Spidey mm-hmm. guy? I've read a ton of Spidey, too. This is new for me. Yeah. Inker is John Romita. I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around a little bit. Oh, yeah. I never heard of that. Ed Hannigan. Hmm, interesting. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the cover. And for that, I'm going to ask Jared to give us a quick cover description. I'm on it. The Marvel Comics Group banner is in white letters on a black background, and Spidey stands in the corner box, which has a green background. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is red with yellow highlights with the webs. We all love the webs. <laughs> The main action on the cover depicts our hero being held up in midair by the throat by an angry Owen Wilson dressed as Peter Pan. Wait, I mean, uh, Will-O-The-Wisp. <laughs> Gosh, Spider-Man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The camera angle gives us even more of a pending doom as we see that Spidey is several stories in the air next to the Sony building and could plummet to his death at any moment. A full of crap text box arrow points towards Will-O-Wisp and decrees, introducing the most sense-shattering new superstar of all. All of this is going on while Will-O-Wisp proclaims, some men call me Will-O-Wisp, but you can call me death. Back to you, Pat. Thank you for that amusing cover description, Jared. I'm not a big Will the Wisp fan. I don't know if I made that clear. <laughs> <laughs> you always uh, said that shattering is common sense for creating <laughs> such a lucky. I would say he shattered fashion sense as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
what can I say about that outfit? Had already been said about Afghanistan. <laughs> Bombed out and depleted. <laughs> well, since you guys are already starting to talk about it, let's get some quick thoughts on this cover. And we'll start with Jason. Well, I like the cover. As Jared said, the webs are always a nice plus. I think that whoever this Ed Hannigan fellow is, he did a really good job. I particularly like the background. It kind of captures the essence of the story and the battle in the middle of Manhattan with all those big giant signs and neon signs in the background. I think that looks cool. There's definitely a sense of menace as Spider-Man's getting both choked out and kind of electrocuted, it looks like, by Will-O-Wisp. The only thing that really detracts from it, like we all touched on, is I don't think Will-O-Wisp is a very good villain. I get the sense that you guys don't either. But overall, I think it's a good solid cover that captures the elements of the story. It's got a lot of good colors, a lot of good action, and I like it. All right, Delvin, what's your thoughts? Mr. Hannigan did a good job on this cover. Spidey looks like he is in some danger. Not only is he being electrocuted, apparently he's dangling high above the city to where he would probably just drop very quickly, maybe without any chance to use his webs. It's a good cover. It's just like we've mentioned in the past. Sometimes if you see a credible villain <laughs> putting Spidey in a bad spot, you're like, ooh, Spidey can buy it. But on this one, it's like like, well, it's cool. It's great perspective. But is Spidey really going to buy it? And should we really call Will-O-The-Wisp death? So... <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe yeah. the hype. If Don't it's Green the Goblin hype. there in Will of the Wisp's place, we're looking at a five-star cover. Yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah, but Willow, it's like, oh. <laughs> what do you think, Jared? Well, you can't fault the artist for what characters he has to use. But, correct. Uh, that is correct. But you're all right. Will of the Wisp takes away points. And I just want to repeat probably the biggest thing that's been said about this. Great perspective on that cover. Looking down onto the city. Perspective's not always easy. And Ed Hannigan and hits a home run with that. So that's all I'll add, or reiterate, rather. Patrick, you want to take it home? Sure. I'll just kind of add on to your perspective there, too. I think this is a very well-drawn-out perspective. Kind of better than that one we've had several issues back, that Ferris wheel one. Remember that one? Yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of high up there, and this one looks a lot better, I think, as far as giving that perspective. There's a lot of colors going on and a lot of detail in the background, so pretty decent cover for me. I think with the Nightcrawler Ferris wheel one, we kind of talked about it just kind of looked like they slapped characters on that background so the perspective mm-hmm. knock. Here the characters actually integrated with the background with Will of the Wisp drawing that electricity from the mm-hmm. Sony sign. I think that really helped. Yeah, definitely. But I do agree with everybody else as far as character-wise. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes Will of the Wisp. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was just a lot of hype, you know, they're trying to hype this thing up. So that's what the little, you know, the arrows and the blurbs on the covers are meant to. Oh, really? Is Spider-Man gonna die? Mm. Probably not. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give you 30 cents to find out. Oh, man. <laughs> Speaking about figuring out how much we like the cover, let's go ahead and rate it. So for those of you that are just joining us or need a little reminder, a five. Three pipes. Eleven <laughs> <laughs> candy canes. We have a lot of rating systems here at the Long Blast Crusade. But for Chronicles, we do a one through five. And I'm going to read off what the one through five is. So five, it's our highest score and it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, it fucking sucked. <laughs> Or it ruffled your tummy feathers. Your choice there. Shout out Delta Cox. That's a little Crusademus joke there from 2018. I hope everybody enjoys. Let me know if you want that to stick around or we can maybe adjust this. But either way. 
Let's yeah, go ahead and give see us what... your Falcon opinions. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it, we don't Falcon care. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't Falcon matter, but <laughs> we do what we Falcon want. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's see how we rated this cover. Let's start with Jared. I'm gonna give a three. Middle of the road three. Not big on the Will O' Wisp. Spidey looks okay. Background really saves it from being a two for me. Three. What do you got, Delvin? I'll give it a three as well, but mine is would be leaning more towards four because I do like the perspective and how. In peril, Spidey looks. It's Willow, so I think by nature it can't get a four, so we'll keep it at a three. Jason? I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. I don't know who this Ed Hannigan is, but I'm really impressed with his initial work. Like Jared said, you know, he doesn't get to choose who's the villain on the cover, and for the villain he was given, he really gives a good perspective, and the cover's pretty much flawless from an artistic perspective. It's just the character that's bringing it down. Pat? Well, I am going to go with a three as well. I thought it was a likable cover. Yeah, I can't do a four. I just can't do it. <laughs> With Lewis, I had to choke out that four, but I was just like, oh, <laughs> I'm never going to see this again again. So, you know, as, as much as I would want a separation between the crew again, so we can find out whose side you're on, I just can't do it. <laughs> we're leaving Jason alone on four. Yeah, we're, yep, he is on four. I'm on my four. I think he did a great job. <laughs> you're not He's wrong. He's a big boy. He can. If you yeah. guys want me to pull a quick Jason, I pulled up Ed Hannigan. Mm-hmm. He actually done a lot of stuff. He was an artist on Spectacular. Spider-Man, which would explain oh, okay. why they brought him oh. on this. He's a co-creator of the character's Cloak and Dagger, of which I'm a fan. Oh. oh. And he did a lot of Batman covers. Apparently he did the majority of Batman covers between 1983 and 1985. So, dude's been around. Very cool. Nice. So that's just a snippet. He's done a lot of other stuff, but I think he just kind of bounces around and never really did a hardcore run, which is probably why I don't remember him. Although I'm sure there's Ed Hannigan fans out there probably screaming at their device right now going, you guys don't know who he is? Well, no, we don't but we do now. And, and respect. Yeah. If there's something we missed, go ahead and respond in the comments so we can see. Love to learn a little bit more. Definitely. Hashtag That's I'm following Hannigan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like his work. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. and like that I said, was I was a cloak and dagger guy, so I'm surprised to learn that. Again, that's what the beauty of this podcast is about. We learn different things. We learn, and that's one to grow on. I was going to ask Delvin before we get into the bric-a-brac, was Will-O-The-Wisp maybe a character that was introduced in maybe Spectacular Spider-Man, or was this the first time that we see him, or do you know? I don't, but I'm going to say that this has to be the introduction because they're using language such as introducing. Mm. Didn't we meet him last episode? We did. That's what I meant, like this story arc. This is the first story arc of Uh, Will-O-The-Wisp. I I believe it is. Amazing Spider-Man 167 is the Ooh. first appearance of Will of the Wisp. So last issue. Okay. Look who's got the web skills now. <laughs> I'm, I'm web slinging today. Check you out. I mean, since you farmed my name out to everybody and their mom, you may as well go ahead. <laughs> oh, there's so much more to come that you don't even know about. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, you son of a... <laughs> The Amazing Spider-Man 167 last issue first appearance Will of the Wisp, which skyrockets the value of that comic up to I don't thirty dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into the short story synopsis. That's going to be provided to us by Delvin the Dark Web Williams. I'm excited about this. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man.
In this issue, Lin Wein is hyping his latest creation, Willow the Wisp, by painting him as a tragic character with a good heart, forced to do bad. In honor of that, this summary will be emo-driven. One good thing followed by one tragic thing. Let's go! Or let's brood. <laughs> Spidey escapes from Willow's hypnosis by Jonah Spider Slayer interrupting. But the Spider Slayer then tries to take out Spider-Man instead. Spidey escapes the Jonah Spider Slayer with cunning and wit. But there's a ton of damage to a statue and Marla Madison has to console Jonah. <sighs> Spidey successfully took pictures from Jameson's office, but there was Spidey dumping the clone and Spidey doesn't know who took them. Willow was about to accomplish his mission of retrieving plans, but Jonah's hero called him away too soon and now wants him to kill Spider-Man instead, which kind of puts Willow in a moral dilemma. <sighs> Peter devises a plan for the pictures, but Mary Jane interrupts him. Wait, wait, that's not oh, bad. That's not bad. <laughs> Just let it whistle, baby. Just let it whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Pete sneaks the photos back into JJJ's office, but he's ambushed by Willow the Wisp, supervised by Jonas Harrow. After a harrowing battle, Willow makes the right decision to not kill Spidey, but he gets disintegrated for his good deed. Last, Spidey has another bad guy right in his sights, but ignores his spider sense and goes home. I really hope you enjoyed the synopsis, but somehow I doubt you did. (laughs) Well, Delvin, I'm really excited to hear that. But then again, I don't. I'm detecting a theme for this episode. (laughs) Delvin, the bipolar web. Uh, What can you do? What can you do? Oh, very well done, Delvin. Very enjoyable. I appreciated that. Always. <laughs> oh, maybe I don't. <laughs> but I think with that, let's go ahead and get into the brick or brack for this issue. So let's see. Is it a first read or reread? It's a first read for me, Jason. First read for me as well. Delvin? It's a first read for me, Jared. Willow Wisp in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> this is high. I can wear tights twice as tight. <laughs> I think you just might. (laughs) (laughs) It is a Reed Rainbow, boys. I've read read this. (laughs) All right. Woohoo! Yes. I was trying to keep the bipolar thing going. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Jason. Or probably not. Please clap. Now let's get into some highs and lows. We'll do a couple rounds of highs and lows with the guys and see what becomes of it. Let's start with Delvin. Do you got a high or a low? I bet he's got both. (laughs) 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 Let's go high. I, for whatever reason, from page one, I thought Ross Andrew was cranking it for this issue. He did a great job. I thought the artwork throughout was really dynamic and fun to look at. And it really just conveyed the fast paced action that was going on in the book. I thought it was a really good job. I agree. Jared? I'm going to do a tack on for a high for the art as well. Sort of two mini highs, if you will. I like the continuity of his apartment. They still keep that same continuity, the same couch, the same poster, the same chair that he sinks really deep into, which is funny. And going along with what Delvin said about the art, I just want to point out that Ross Andrew draws this really sexy Mary Jane without her having to be overtly sexy. I mean, she's wearing a long sleeve shirt, some jeans, and some boots, and she looks great. So he didn't 
didn't have to do any sexualized poses or skippy clothes, and she looks great. So good on you, Ross Andrew. Yeah, you know what? I noticed that too in this issue that she was just kind of plain dressed, mm-hmm. which is all right. Yeah, you know, she cleans up good. nicely. She looks good. It was a good day for Peter. Everybody wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he showed this issue that you know he can get his love on Mary Jane without a dead body in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know what's in that clip. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jason, what do you got? The battle amongst the billboards was very entertaining. I liked the art. I liked how they integrated the background into the fight scene. And although, as we've said, Will-O-The-Wisp probably wasn't the most interesting of villains, I think using the cityscape as they did made for an entertaining battle scene. Want to pass the pipe, Pat? No! No! <laughs> no well, thank you, thank you Jason. Pipe. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you he gets to take a hit. You know what? Speaking about pipes, I don't know if it's a high or low, but it's one of those things I wrote down that you don't see a lot of clever billboards anymore with smoke holes coming out of them. Yeah, yeah I thought smoking. that was entertaining. Like when it goes into the one smoke hole and comes out the other. <laughs> it's, it's fun. You know, you don't see a lot of those kind of clevery uh, billboards where they're kind of, you know, using three-dimensional things like that. And I think that's pretty cool. I miss those. The use of billboards, that was pretty cool. The cover had Sony, even though I'm sure contractually they couldn't actually spell out Sony so they blocked it with some little creativeness and then mm-hmm. they had some you know there was a Winston which is a brand of cigarettes and then Gordon's which is I believe mm-hmm. a gin I yeah. Just, yeah so uh, yeah some of the billboards <laughs> Pat agreed really quick yeah it is that's <laughs> a gin <laughs> Pat was just enjoying all these billboards their pipes their cigarettes and gin <laughs> That goes back to just agreeing with you guys on the art, just the detail in the background yeah, that's good. being done here is, yeah. is awesome. And, you know, Times Square, I've been there. I've gotten a chance to see it a few years ago. And it's like, oh, yeah, I do remember it now. And so and I can just appreciate the artwork that's done for all the different signs because it's a really interesting place to visit and see all the billboards, the lights and all that, just all that going around there. It's really a lot to take in. So well done on the art. Delvin, you got another high or low? I'll have a question this time. Okay. Somebody help me out with Jonas Harrow. I've heard of him. No, he's a bad guy. Is he a cap dude? Is he a Captain American guy? You. I was going to ask you too. I was going to. Oh my. I was like, should I know this guy? Because I don't. He's got crazy glasses. Crazy. I think maybe, I maybe Yardcell Webb can look into it. And- <laughs> Yardcell Webb's on. I, tell you, I did a, a Google image search on smoke hole, and you don't want any parts of it. <laughs> uh, you know, that was my name back in college. Oh. <laughs> Just learning all sorts of information. So while Jared may be uh, helping me out with Jonas Harrow, I will chime in with, I'll say bad of sorts. I know Lynn is hyping his character. Can't blame him. It was his creation. He almost killed Spider-Man. Yeah. He chose the right thing to let him go. And so not being overly critical of Lynn here, because I know I've been critical of him in the past. I can get that it was really used more as a show of Willow's story development as a character as opposed to making Spider-Man look weak. But still, Spidey almost yeah. lost to Will-O-The-Wisp. Ugh. And that's why I asked earlier if this was Will-O-The-Wisp introduction because it just seems so forced. It seems like everything is kind of smashed together as far as his origin is concerned and it's just overhyped as opposed to just having good storytelling that's laid out to create well-drafted and conceived villains. So I think that's my big problem with it. It's just like it's forced together. It's like, oh, he's a really cool character. Believe me. Yeah. Well, now you kind of got to show us. You got to develop the character over time. And that was my main problem with the villain. One of the reasons that I don't like horror 
movies, a lot of them, or zombie apocalypse movies, is they don't really ever try to solve the main problem. Like the biggest problem with the, like a zombie apocalypse would be there's a lot of zombies. So no one ever really tries to find the cure to that. And they talked about it a little bit, but it never seemed that anyone really tried to figure out Willow's, what his problem was. They sort of did it to describe his power set that he's able to manipulate his molecules, but that was it. Maybe they go into it a little bit more into the future, but they didn't really get into why he is in the position that he is. They didn't really get into that this issue. Maybe it's coming down the road. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. I think we're essentially saying the same thing. We just had a really compressed arc between here's mm-hmm. this that we're told is this new super creation of Marvel, and then he's dead by the end of the... Maybe that's just building the hype up, though. I agree. Maybe. I agree, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Got the late breaking news on Jonas Harrow. Okay. Go for it. All right. Go so he it. is indeed a Spider-Man villain. He goes back to first appearances in 114 in October of 72, created by Jerry Conway and John Romita Sr. And they basically did him in a story. It was another Spider-Slayer story. And Con- oh. Conway said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said, let's roll with this idea and let's have this guy, because a lot of Spidey villains, unless they're scientists, wouldn't be able to come up with a lot of scientific gear. So let's make this guy that makes the gear for the Spidey villains. And I think he called him, quote, the Tony Stark for bad guys. Hmm. Well, they did mention in the book that two of his creations were the kangaroo and hammerhead. So (laughs) I don't know about that kangaroo. I I haven't seen him yet. I know the ghost of hammerhead is not very scary. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a mobster with a big, hard head. Hit me in the forehead, bro. Like, what if I don't and I hit you in the stomach? Oh, not the stomach. Oh, oh you got me. Oh, my no. tummy feathers. <laughs> oh, I knew I should have been called hammer abs. <laughs> hit me in my chubbins. And while I'm just dropping Jason style <laughs> knowledge bombs on everyone, Times Square was formerly known as Long Acre Square. It was known as Long Acre Square for a long time until the New York Times moved their offices there, which is why it became Times Square. Ooh. Yeah, Long Acre was my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, do you have any high or low? Okay, I'll go with a low. I'll be the bummer. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm not a big Will of the Wisp fan. (laughs) (laughs) What? And I'm also not big on the Spider Slayer that we got going on here. So all the villains just kind of seem a little, yeah, I wasn't excited by the villains. Although there was a great spectacle and the art was great. The villain lineup just wasn't for me. So that's it. I do agree with the Spider Slayer, though. When we saw it in the last episode, too, I'm like, this is really like a wonky, clunky. Yeah, it doesn't have a great design. No. I was trying to give it leeway for being, you know, a 70s era issue. But there were better robot designs in the 70s, so I can't. I would think that the Spire Slayer wouldn't be good on ice, and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was interested in seeing that the Spider Slayer, or Jonah, who's controlling it, went after a guy who the machine literally isn't designed to fight in Will-O-Wisp. It's designed to counter all of Spidey's moves. Not this completely unknown dude, but Jonah, who was as power-mad as any supervillain that you've ever seen, just went after Willow like he could take him down, and he couldn't. He failed back badly at that. Yeah, not the greatest villains, but for me, it still felt like a pretty good story overall. And as Lynn is pretty good at doing, the main storyline, which he's kept just baking for the last few issues, is the issue of the pictures. I was immediately going to be skeptical about it. It was like, oh, come on. How did these pictures come about? And that the editor even said, yep, Spidey definitely did think someone may have been watching him and actually said, 
said, yeah, look at issue 151, this panel, like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, they narrowed, narrowed it down. Yeah, good storytelling, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that gets an absolute head nod and props from me. He's kept that main storyline just in the oven until he's ready for it to come out. So I am looking forward to that storyline, and that seemed to be the biggest setup of all in this book, and I have no idea what's going to happen next. Yeah, there was that one point in the comic where they had the little editor's comment said, you know, something like attention to detail or I bet you thought we forgot. Mm-hmm. And I almost thought, oh, this was like written for Delvin. Like, I bet you thought I forgot Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> I can write and edit Delvin. <laughs> So if I want to be a little bit of a critique here, though. Oh, you don't want to delve in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do, man. Yes, I do. (laughs) The critique would be that Spider-Man all too often in Lens Spidey ignores his spider sense. Yes. Yeah, that is true. Yes. I mean, if you're going to be doing something as, I mean, it wasn't nefarious. I I wouldn't know what I'd do if there was a clone of me that I fought either. I don't know what the heck I'd do with that. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to dump this clone in a smokestack so no one can find it and it could incinerate. You would think that Spider-Man would definitely pay attention to a Spider-Sense then. It's like, my Spider-Sense is sensing danger. Nah, let me throw away this carcass and not think about it. <laughs> maybe he he's new, been around for a little while. True. He's just got to, maybe eventually he'll get used to them. You know, all those times I thought I should have remembered my Spider-Sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree, Pat. Trust me, it's not a big complaint. Maybe you know, New Year, new stance on Lynn. And perhaps I've softened a bit in, in my old age. I don't know. I do think you're onto something, though. And I think that's what I like about the Spider-Man series as we've been going through it. There's always that background. There's something in the background going on and just kind of chugging. The story is kind of chugging and chugging and chugging. And there's always something to keep you interested. Oh, in yeah. You know what's going on. And I think you're right. I think Len does a really good job at that. He sees the overall bigger picture. It's just now I got to slap in these, you know, onesie twosie kind of stories just to play that out. Oh, yeah. He's done a good job. Definitely. There's a point of no return when you're getting rid of a body. So it's like, even if the spider sense is coming off, he's slinging this dead carcass over his shoulder. It's like, I, I just <laughs> got this thing. I was saving this one because I didn't know if Delvin was going to bring it up or not. But Spidey once again got defeated by traffic. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> Green Goblin and traffic is two arch <laughs> <laughs> he was very aware of it. I mean, he, he got in traffic. like, whoa, whoa. Safety first. <laughs> Let me get out of here. Traffic's dangerous. How fast could those vehicles be going? Like five miles an hour, 10? <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> In Times Square? Yeah. You mean no, Long Acre I th- Square? <laughs> <laughs> I think in all honesty, my only other low that we haven't talked about is, and I'm not a big Spider-Man reader, but I just don't like the way that J. Jonah Jameson has kind of gone over from, I know he's always been anti-Spider-Man, but being anti-Spider-Man and wanting to design a multi-million dollar suit to go kill Spider-Man just seems to be this line that I don't like him crossing. To me, it's just like, this is not really in alignment with the character, I- at least the character. I would beg to differ. That is entirely in line with early J. Jonah Jameson's character. They're going to continue to explore 
explore that. Some of the Amazing Spidey that I picked up when we were at the Comic-Con, it's a little bit down the line, but there was an issue where J. Jonah Jameson just flat out was like, I hate this dude because he's everything that I'm not. I thought that I was going to grow up and be this big, important man and, and be a man of bravery and integrity. And there's this guy that's going out there and he is everything that I'm not. And since I'm not that, I'm going to destroy it. This is JJJ. For the most part, not necessarily a bad dude, but he hates Spider-Man and he hates him because he's not him. Okay. Good take on that. I just don't understand. And then they kind of mentioned it in the issue. So he ruins Rockefeller Center. <laughs> Wouldn't you go, hey, I saw that your face on that robot there. <laughs> We know it's you. And you we yeah, and you gotta then he complains about oh now I gotta go pay all this to get that all cleaned up. Uh wouldn't they do you know property damage and all that stuff? Wouldn't he be in a lot more trouble than just Yeah, his ass would definitely be in the jackpot. In the jackpot. There. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, boy, I can't believe they let him get away with that. Yeah, he should be in jail, even as a uh, highly respected exactly. paper uh, publisher. He, he should be in jail for doing that because <laughs> that's an absolute reckless stunt. Maybe his penance is that he has to post that he did that in his own paper. <laughs> Make the front page. I don't J. Jonah Jameson, menace. <laughs> <laughs> or hero, you decide. You decide. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the lettering in this issue. As I was reading through, I like all the little different lettering tricks that were done or effects that were done. Like when Spider-Man finds the photo and sees the photo, he's normal lettering as he's talking about, I'm going to open it up and see what it looks like. And then when he sees it, it's like, oh my Lord, it's all little lettering. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then when he's getting electrocuted, his words are kind of shaky and kind of yeah. that kind of lettering. So I like how that's used to express Spider-Man's feelings and that. So I think it was really, very well done for the lettering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely put a new layer on it. Letters often get overlooked, but there's an art to it. Mm-hmm. That's a good observation, Pat. Good one, Pat. Good one. <laughs> Let's see. Does anybody have any final thoughts on this issue? Good to go here. Good to go. Good to go. All right. Well, speaking of good to go, let's go ahead and find out our silly Spidey moment for this issue. Jason, what's your silly Spidey for this issue? I'm glad I got to go first just in case somebody is going to take it. But I, I was laughing so hard when Mary Jane made that statement. I was afraid I wasted a teabag. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it too. I almost screen capped it and sent it to the group. I was like, oh, baby, you did not waste it. <laughs> oh, it tears in my eyes. That was my favorite moment. Damn you, Jason. Damn you. <laughs> well, you can have the same one if you want. <laughs> you can have a teabag rainbow. Teabag rainbow. Bloop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, who was next? Uh, we'll go Jared. Next panel, then, since you caught the T-Bag t- joke that I was going to bring, I just really like the let it whistle, Mary Jane. Oh. Let it whistle. <laughs> that's mine, too. That's what I wrote down, too, is let yep, it whistle. We're, we're good. We're like, I, that's it. We don't even have to go around the table. We, we are. <laughs> it's all about whistle. Yeah, that's okay, Delvin. Just let <laughs> it whistle, Delvin. Yeah, just let it whistle. Let it whistle. <laughs> We are of an accord. Wow. Jason, can you do that tea bag? Can you do it in your Mary Jane voice for me? Yeah, we got to hear that. (laughs) Peter, I was afraid I wasted a tea bag, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, thank you, Mary Jane. Let it whistle, baby. Let it whistle. I'm going to bust that one out when I'm making yeah. moves on the wife later on and be like, let it whistle, baby. <laughs> She'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? 
<laughs> I think I'm just going to use that wherever. <laughs> At the grocery store. That's all right. Pass me back. A little whistle, baby. Let it whistle. Let it whistle. I waste this tea bag, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> we'll explain it to you when we're off air. Oh, okay. <laughs> <sighs> well, let's go ahead and get to some ratings for this issue. So, just as a reminder, the rating system is a one through five. Five is it tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. Or one, it fucking sucked. Or <laughs> rough up your telephones. Let's find out what the team thought. Jason. I think I'm going to go middle of the road for a three on this one. I thought the story was solid. Had some good plot points. Picking up on the photo plot thread like we talked about. The villains brought it down a little bit. But yeah, I'll settle on a three. I liked it. Delvin. I'm giving this a four. Ooh. I thought that the artwork was good. I thought the story was paced very well. It is setting up what's going to be a pretty big storyline. It has to be because in a way, Lynn has been building this up since Spidey 150. So this is, is something that has me very intrigued. And he didn't even overstate it in this book. He mentioned it and Pete got the photos and he did something very mysterious with them and left the ball in JJJ's corner. And I don't know what that going to entail. So I'm really interested in that. And he used a uh, backdrop of, you know, having a Jonah Spidey Slayer and Willow, like two characters that are basically forgettable, but it almost seems like it was done on purpose. Like, yeah, I'm going to give you a little light palate cleanser before we get back into some really hard hitting stories. As I've used with Lynn, I've been burned before (laughs) (laughs) with Hammerhead story, but I'm ever optimistic about it. And I did enjoy this book. I'm going to give it a four. What do you think, Jared? I'm going to be in the camp with Jason, although you do make some good points on the overall story. But yeah, I agree with Jason. The villains weren't great. That ignoring of the spider sense still bugs me. But overall, intrigue is good. I do want to keep going. So then good is a three. So it's a three. Pat, bring it home. I'm going to agree with the three as well, too. But I do really like how Delvin was explaining his reason for the four. It's almost getting me up there, but uh, you just didn't sway me. (laughs) Good try, though. A little pitchy, dog. A little pitchy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll defend the cover and Delvin will defend the story. That's all right. There you go. I am alone on four (laughs) islands. It's just interesting that Delvin went that route. So that surprised me. I figured he was going to give it a three, too. So I thought it was a fun read. There was a lot that I liked about it. I I was wavering between a three and a four. I I can see where he went for it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm good with that. Like on this island, there are coconuts and tea bags. (laughs) Let it whistle. (laughs) Let it whistle, Delvin. Let it whistle. Well, we'd like to hear your thoughts on this issue as well. What would you rate it? Go ahead and give us a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page and let us know. This is going to bring this part of the show to an end and we'll play a quick promo and we will be right back. Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, art by Nate Niles, colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon, letters by Percival Constantine, and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central, C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big.com. 
BigCartel.com. That's TheYardSaleArtist.BigCartel.com. Or you can buy it directly from me, creator Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, at any of my Comic-Con appearances. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series Comic Book Men had to say about it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Books like a- a Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. That's Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. Pat, what do we have today? Let's see. We have an iTunes review from Reggie Bird. Less dusty than an actual long box is the subject. And he says, I love to hear the fun being had on this show. The guys are all really knowledgeable, but it really gets good when they get silly. <laughs> you got a bunch of silly heads. Oh, yeah. Sure. Hey, who are you calling a silly head? Oh, we're st- all of us. All, <laughs> all of us. Uh, not, not just you. Not just you, Pat. Easy. Easy. So, we have another iTunes review. Who wants to read that one? I'll get it. The next one is a five-star review that says, Great pod. Always fun to hear people enjoying themselves. Especially enjoy the guy who sounds like he's doing a Brockmeyer impression. I don't know what that means, but now I have to look that up. <laughs> the guy who did this, his name is Sherman Riddle. Sherman's a good dude. When I saw that comment, and I think Pat shared it, we were like, what's Brockmire? And I shared it on our text thread. Did you not listen? No. I listened. I did <laughs> text thread, and I still don't know which of it sounds like Brock. I think Jason's it, still catching up on the text thread. It, it, dude. No, the, Fred, I know my text thread. Don't come at me with those text threads, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fell apart fast. <laughs> Jason, tap. Calm down, fellas. Jeez, there's so so much hostility. <laughs> I will explain then. Brock Meyer, it's Hank Azaria's character, and he's playing a former baseball player who's now a commentator that's just raw and edgy. And if I had to guess, it would be a tie between either Jason or Jared, since both of you sound similar. Like it could be either one of you. But if you go to the Google and check out Brock Meyer and listen, then you you could see for yourself. Uh, is Sherman an Auburn man? No, Sherman is not an Auburn man. Deleted. <laughs> <laughs> Can't delete it. He likes I'm, us. <laughs> I'd be interested to see, uh, Sherman, if you are listening, who is the Brockmire? Who is the Brockmire? Who's the Brockmire? We do appreciate it, though, Sherman. Thank you. Yep, we definitely. And the last one is from a good buddy of mine, Adam Chambliss, who, by the way, has a podcast of his own called Two for the Road, which is a college football discussion. But Adam's also a disgusting Alabama fan, so you don't really want to hear it. Dirty. Dirty. Actually, the whole premise of the show is it's him and one of his friends. Forgive me because I can't remember his friend's name. And that friend is an Auburn fan. And they talk about the perspective between Alabama and Auburn. And they also talk about college football as a whole. And it is a very solid podcast. But he chimes in with a five-star review to ours uh, with the title of Love It and just says, great content and even better group of guys. So appreciate that, AC. That was really nice of you, dude. I've already five-starred your show, but I need to find it again and give it 
it another five star. So I appreciate your comments, man. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. For this episode, because we're recording it early, we don't have any likes, shares, or retweets or comments from the previous episode. So we do apologize for that. We're just kind of getting back into our normal swing from Crusademus. Recovering from Stick our around. Crusademus hangover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that eggnog's no joke, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but comments but, will be back. Yes. But definitely make sure to continue to comment, like, share, and retweet as much as you can. We do truly appreciate it. And don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. It definitely helps raise the profile of the show, and we definitely love and appreciate the comments. Well, that's going to be it for the show. Be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin on joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Jared? I am on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all of which is at Yard Sale Artist. And I am also at your local Taco Bell. Pat? Well, while Jared's at the local Taco Bell, you can find me at your local KFC. <laughs> Oh, I'm just <laughs> He's gonna be causing some trouble. Trouble. Oh, uh, uh, here we go. Nah, just kidding. Now you can waiting there forever for that five piece. <laughs> you can follow me on the Twitter at Christatos01 or on the Instagram at Christatos01. So with that, thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or question, leave us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page at Longbox. Crusade or on our new Instagram page, Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on to Crusade 2. Read them all! Read them all. We got a YouTube channel, Longbox Crusade. Go subscribe. Okay, that's right. I forgot. Damn it. Music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. I really go to my barber that I go to, the barbershop I go to for the massage. The haircut is incidental. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's this one lady though, man. I remember because like you didn't want to get her for the massage because she would judo chop too your hard. Neck. Yes, yeah. I'm like, damn, paid five dollars for that. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, welcome to Barbercast, episode yeah, one. Barbercast. I'm your host, Jerry. <laughs> where, every, where every month we talk about our barbershop experience. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I kind of took us down this rabbit hole. Yeah. But, but we, should, we should get next, started. So I can... Next time as we talk about beard trimming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's just you and Delvin. It's getting close to summer. Are you ready for your bikini wax? <laughs> Find out if the boys are on Barbercast. <laughs> on Barbercast, where you're always welcome and everything makes the cut. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should start doing? Is we a should show? Huh? Yeah, we should Crusader start doing Chronicles. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 24, featuring featuring. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> it's been a while, you know. It has yeah. been yeah. a little rusty. A little rusty. Gotta get loose, me, 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 me. me. <laughs> <clears throat> Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I like it, boys. I like it. Thanks for reminding me of those two dead. <laughs> Damn you, Delvin. Damn you. <laughs> I'm just bringing tap out, bringing them out. <laughs> ah, maybe it doesn't working. work on Delvin, it only works on me. <laughs> oh, well, that'll have to do. <laughs> it feel better anyway. <laughs> It's like, damn you, Delvin. Ah! <laughs> oh, man. Let me get a drink of water real quick. I hear ice. Damn it. Really? Shut that ice up. <laughs> I'm away from the mic. I'm away from the mic. Oh, it's, it's coming in crystal clear. <laughs> Son of a <sighs> You're probably on mute, Jason. You can find him at the public library. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I hate it when I do that.